You're listening to the Rich State of Mind Show, the podcast made to make you the total package in the entrepreneurial world and give you what we call a rich state of mind. If you are here looking to learn about real estate investing, marketing, elevating your business, and developing your mindset to get to the next level, then you are at the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join our community on richstateofmind.com. Now here's your host, Anthony Ritchie. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 63 where I'm talking to Asha Carr. Asha is a first generation college graduate with a passion for serving people through the world of real estate and inspirational speaking. After graduating from Penn State in 2016, he started his career in financial operations before shifting to real estate operations in 2019. In his first year as a client engagement and operations coordinator, Asher brought in millions of dollars in closed sales volume for his team at Keller Williams Capital Properties, putting them at the top 1% Keller Williams brokerage in Washington, D.C. Through real estate, Asher learned the art of service before sales under Keller Williams and continues to transform the lives of clients by meeting and exceeding their needs. As a speaker, he leverages his faith and wisdom to spread optimism and passion for inspiring others to create his success stories through faith, family, and business. Uh, I like this episode with Asher because I got a first, pretty much a first point of view on from him and his perspective on what it takes for real estate deals to happen behind the scenes. We don't, I've never been able to talk about that uh, in any of these episodes. So I think this is a fresh perspective. Those that may be even interested in a job like this, definitely listen to this episode. So please enjoy and thank you for listening. Hey, Asher, thanks for taking the time this evening. Uh, this would be a great episode talking to another young individual that's killing it. So if you could please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, man, thanks for uh, having me on the show. Uh, to our listeners, hey, everyone, uh, my name is Asher. Uh, I'm actually from New Jersey, West Orange, New Jersey originally, but I live in the D.C. Maryland area right now. Uh, full time, I'm in op- real estate operations and I help uh, my team just make sure that, you know, processes systems and models are all are all together and i also do inside sales so i bring in new business for our team as well i've been doing that for uh, a year and some change and uh yeah you know just love just really big outside of that just really big on personal development and real estate and just looking to grow um, every way i can so yeah awesome so uh what got you into real estate operations yeah so originally i my, so my initial background and Professionally, it was in finance. So I was a financial analyst uh, when I graduated from Penn State in 2016. Um, I did that for, uh, I did really contract work and then some full-time stuff in uh, financial operations. And then I switched into real estate. I was doing real estate investing on the side uh, back in New Jersey. And uh, you know, in my, within my first nine months, I was able to pick up a rental property in Poconos and kind of learned about that. My stepdad got me into a real estate investing thing. And now, learning about that process and meeting with people and, and seeing homes, I was like, you know, I would love to do this uh, full time uh, in some capacity. So, um, and yeah, my life kind of gave me that opportunity. Got my license in Jersey, um, license in Maryland as well, and was able to connect with the team. That was a r- really brand new team, and uh, kind of just started growing from there. So, uh, the pr- property in Poconos was that a um, vacation or resort? Uh, so Type it was property. actually, yeah, it was actually a family friend's house. Um, he just wanted to kind of get rid of his personal time because he didn't want to deal with the thing. It was, it was just a normal house uh, within one of those uh, gated communities. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I was able to kind of do like uh, an owner owner finance deal with him and I was able to find a uh, family that was looking to uh, like do a lease to own type of thing. So okay. You know, that, yeah, that was my first deal. Uh, we ended up kicking them out after like six months. They stopped paying rent. But it was a, like the experience with just actually seeing it happen after learning about it. Um, it, it was like, it was probably one of the coolest things I've done. So uh, so with the seller finance, and I, and I kind of want to break that down a little bit so people understand the process. So yeah. seller financing or owner financing, the owner owned it outright. And uh, how much of a down payment did he want you to get, uh, give in order to kind of get into that? So this one, there was no down payment. Uh, there's really nothing up front. It was just getting the paperwork together, just kind of get uh, make sure the numbers make sense. Um, and you know, with owner financing, I guess it was one, it was one of those lucky ones where you really there really wasn't a lot of money involved in, in regards to putting it together until like the rent payment uh, from from the tenants. But uh, yeah, we just he was just like, hey, look, I just you know I have this other house and I still have mortgage on this house and 
I just want to be able to just keep the March payment going. But, you know, you know, can you help me out here? I'm like, yeah, sure. So, you know, we'll, I'll own a finance it for you. I'll, I'll watch over, I'll be your property manager essentially and take care of the rent and stuff like that. Um, and then every month, you know, you know, we'll have, I'll, we'll make sure that your minimum payment is made and then whatever's left, you know, obviously it's all embedded in that rent, uh, that monthly rent, you know, the rest of it will go to me and make sure taxes are taken care of and all that. Um, but yeah, I was able to kind of work that out again uh, for just for a few months and then so, some like stuff happened. So he ended up just taking the property back and it, it was just, you know, it, it was clean for the most part. But um, yeah, owner financing is definitely one of those creative ways on real estate investing that a lot of people are, are attracted to when they're first getting into it. And it's, it's like one tool in, in a whole toolbox of real estate investing that um, definitely people who are interested should definitely uh, learn more of. Yeah, I like, um, so cool thing about finance, right? There's not just one way to do it. You know, there's not just uh, maybe a FHA or VA loan and it's not just a conventional put 20, 25% down. You have opportunities like seller financing where you can work something out with that, uh, with the seller, whether, you know, 5%, 10% down, you know, 3.5% interest, do it for 30 years. And uh, there's definitely a lot of different ways to be able to get your foot in the door. Um, and you have, you already walk into the deal with equity because the house is already paid off in a sense. Right. So it's actually pretty exactly. cool. Yeah. And so uh, now, so you transition from that to real, uh, real estate operations. What is that exactly? What do you, what do you do on a day to day with that? Yeah, so I'm pretty much on the back end of a of a Keller Williams team, um, just making sure. Again, uh, we have a team of agents, and uh, there's my, me as an ops person and my marketing uh, coordinator. We pretty much you know well, she she handles the marketing for our events. Uh, she does the branding for like our signs and you know all that, and then you know, social media and all that. And um, then for me, uh, again, I'm I'm big on the systems and models piece. So we have processes for our agents if they want to put a listing in to the MLS. You now they they go through this special Google form I created for the team where they just give me that information. Then I'll do it for them. So it, like in a way, uh, I'm the leverage piece to their real estate business because when you grow, when you're growing a business, you know. Uh, when you get to a certain point, you want to start hiring out, right? And my team leaders say that's what they did. You know, they've been in business for over uh, or were really close to 10 years. And you know, they got to a point where it's like, you know, there's so much business going on. We need other people to handle these other parts of the business so we can make sure we can streamline everything. So they hired um, they hired an admin team, which is me, uh, working on the operations and um, our, uh, our marketing person, her name is Shaliza. Um, fantastic stuff that she does. And yeah, just making sure we make, the agent's life's easier just making sure that they you know they get their signs out they get their listings out um and we're also making sure they're tracking their numbers as well so so um from doing things behind the scenes when it comes to a, a realty business what things have what else have you learned uh working and from behind the scenes portion yeah i mean it's i've definitely learned a lot about real estate from just working um on the back end and now I, I also have a dual role so and i'll get into that in a little bit but from an operation standpoint you really actually get to see what what happens on mls like why do you like what do you have to input in the mls like the certain disclosures you have to uh, upload for you know for those looking to buy the home or you know things like uh making sure that you get the signs out like we're actually working with the vendors to get the posted signs and then but photography like i order the pictures and the videos um for the marketing aspect of the listing you know stuff like that you really get to see what it really takes for an agent to to get a home sold because a lot of people they see these agents are like you know all right cool i'll just hire them they'll put it they'll put they'll take a few pictures they'll put it on the internet and then boom the deal but like there's so much that goes into it so like when you're looking at that commission like the three percent six percent really six percent uh, is, is an average yeah. that six percent really goes a long way in making sure you get a quality opportunity to get the home sold and you actually get quality um you know uh, deals or potential deals to come and help close it out. So it's it's been it was really cool to kind of see how um, our agents do their uh, do their deals throughout the year. I have a question. So uh, from your point of view, how did uh, the real estate business change from your point of view when during COVID and slash post COVID? Yeah. So but before COVID, so I I joined this team in December of 2019. So like again there's a whole new team merger was going on and i was fairly new to it but um everyone for most part is very experienced um everything when i when i was doing when i was making calls for our team uh it, 
initially people were just coming in. Like I was just having people come in to meet with the agents to do their consults. And then, you know, everyone just, you know, me in person and everything and all that. Uh, and then when COVID hit, there was a time like in all of April, that's when we had to really figure out as an ops team, how can we turn everything back into an efficient like pace where, you know, even if we didn't meet with people in person, how can we actually, you know, still get deals done and actually, you know, make everything happen. So mm-hmm. um, virtual in a virtual land, it's actually, it's been a blessing for our team at least because we've been able to do a lot of um, we've been able to save a lot of time and actually cut down on a lot of unnecessary like meetings with potential leads that are looking to buy or sell. Um, so we, so instead of just meeting at, at, at a listing, for example, like, Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in listing. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, when are you able to meet for a walkthrough? Uh, we actually do a zoom consult first with them. We actually do okay. a whole, like, listing presentation through a via zoom. Uh, we actually show, show them the net sheet, which is pretty much a breakdown of how much they will actually make at the end of a transaction after all the expenses are, are you know, taken care of that settlement. And, you know, based off those numbers, based on how they like our marketing plan, then we'll schedule uh, that, that actual, that uh, physical walkthrough with them and then go from there. Um, so it's definitely from from a lead like lead gen perspective. It's helped cut down on those who were who are actually looking to do something serious, and who are to those who are just like kind of just messing around. Because um, uh, the other part of what I do is uh, inside sales. We call it client engagement because uh, that's just a um, uh, mindset thing with there. But um, no inside sales. I'm bringing in. I'm calling in internet leads or cold calling expired listings and or, you know, all that just maybe like hey are you still looking to buy or are you still looking to sell i set that i set them up uh with our agents and then you know they just kind of take it from there but um yeah virtually has been great um, the staging we virtually stage now uh, we don't even do physical staging uh, we have one agent that does it for certain price points but um like we've cut we've cut costs with staging uh, all you gotta do is just take pictures um, and then we have a third party company. We send the pictures, we tell them what to put in the actual picture and it looks phenomenal. And it's cut down from an ops perspective, like like m- m- nearly half of what the, oh, wow. what, the, yeah, what the team leaders were spending um, initially before COVID. So um, yeah, but a lot of, yeah, a lot of efficiency in, in, in our cost department as well. And that's probably the future now. I think COVID has, uh, shifted us to where doing things remotely through Zoom, like we're doing right now, is the norm. Uh, I don't really need to physically see you for everything. Um, so this is like the virtual, you know, phone calls are probably like the new email or new meetings. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so weird. Like my uh, team leader, there there are a couple, and the wife, she, um, like throughout the second half of 2020, she was doing settlements through Zoom, like. Like in settlement, because the title companies wouldn't even let more than like one or two people in. Um, for you know, if it's obviously the seller or buyer, you'll let them in, but no one else. So uh, she was doing a lot of settlements through through Zoom. Um, and yeah, I, I barely meet the people I end up bringing in for the team, but um, you know, they definitely had a great experience uh, working with us. So it's been good. Uh, what do you advice do you have for cold calls? And, and I'm saying this uh, mostly for the wholesalers out there that. Uh, want to start wholesaling how do you how do you deal with cold, cold calls and uh how do you kind of uh bring up your success rate over, throughout time yeah so cold calling uh so i have i have a i have a background in doing sales uh and for sure i actually did door-to-door sales in uh in new jersey for verizon uh so that was kind of i that's where i really started building the rhino skin you know, hearing no you know, every no leads to a yes type of thing and so uh, that's where I, I started doing that when I, I was a financial advisor uh, my first my first uh, my first job when I left college and I was doing cold calls for the insurance company and you know the mentality behind it is that that I started learning when I started doing this position was you know you're making a cold call on a hot topic and the hot topic is real estate. Like everyone in some way, shape or form loves to talk about real estate, right? So when it comes to the internet leads I had um, that, that came across our, our websites through Google or whatever, like, hey, hey, my name's Asher with Kel Williams. I was just giving you a call because you, uh, you came across our website. This is literally my script, so you can use this if you want. But uh, you came across our website recently and just want to know if you're still looking to buy or sell a home. 
And no, nine times out of 10 to be like, all right, yeah, I actually was. I'm not sure which website you're talking about, but yeah, I was. And then you know, I kind of go from there. Um, you, you just got to just do it. It, it, especially when you're starting real estate, either on the investment side or the retail side, the goal calling, uh, very like debatable. Um, it's, it's, it's huge. It's a huge like starting point for you to really start seeing success. Like, again, I'm, I, I'm licensed, but I, because of my ops capacity, I'm not out there on the field as much. But I know for a fact, like people don't like doing those calls. Like agents, to a certain point, when they get to a certain level, they don't like doing those calls. Like it's it, it's it's tough, and you it takes a certain person and a certain amount of energy uh, to actually get those calls on. I only do on average two hours a day for for my team on calls, and and that's it. That I was able to kind of pump out like a lot of a lot of appointments uh, in my first year. Um, but yeah, if you're going to do calls, just just straight, just do it. I mean, have some sort of a script. To help guide you on what you're trying to accomplish, uh, but at the end of the day, you know the more the more reps you put in, the better um, the better you get at it. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you 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 were saying your script seamlessly, so it sounds like you you said it a lot. Yeah, I say it every single day. I say it in my sleep sometimes. <laughs> it's kind of scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, and and the thing with the with the scripts, like you know, at first, yes, everyone, you should definitely have a script, uh, but you definitely want to have them in mindset of having a dialogue with the lead or, uh, you know, the, when you have that dialogue, it's like, Hey, just really getting to know them, just really getting to know what the problem is. Cause at the end of the day, um, as an investor or as an agent, you know, you really just want to come to the buyer or seller with some sort of a solution. And a lot of people out there, especially on the retail side that are looking to buy, they don't have, they don't necessarily have a vision. They don't have necessarily have a plan in place or blueprint to actually be like, no, this is possible for me. I mean, there, there have been a handful of calls I've had where people really think that they can't get a home like at all for whatever reason. And then I end up connecting them with our agent and then next month they, they're closing on a home, right? And it's, and it's solely because they didn't, they didn't understand you know, the lending side and stuff like that and how an actual search works and, and all that. So when you're able to come from, um, from service, from mindset of service and just be like, hey, look, I hear you. Uh, we could put this plan together. It just it makes sense for you, great. If not, great. But just want to make sure that you actually kind of see what the possibilities are for you, and um, you know, you can make magic happen. Yeah, and I think that's another thing when it comes to um, another point is financing, right? So people uh, they automatically they'll be like, oh man, well my credit is garbage, so you know I probably shouldn't even really even try. And they don't know in particular, like maybe all the things that they need in order to qualify for a home or, hey, all right, yeah, your credit is 20 points short. But these are the things you can do to build it back up. And then you're in there, you know, at least they have some type of idea what, what they can do. And they be they would surprise themselves on, you know, what they'd be able to accomplish within, you know, the rest of, let's just say the rest of 2021. And so uh, I want to talk about your ebook, man. Uh, I, I really I like the uh, the. The title is very bold, so, and it's called Bro uh, "Broke to Bold." So, first of all, tell me about where did you come up with that title, "Broke to Bold"? Yeah, so from "Broke to Bold," um, it's pretty much a, it's a memoir of that chronicles my transition into real estate. Um, I, the last job I had in finance, they just let me go suddenly. Just, I don't know where I still have no explanation for it, uh, but they just let me go, and I saw that as an opportunity to jump into real estate because that was when I was dabbling into to be in uh, real estate investing at that time. And the day they let me go was uh, was a year away from when I was planning to marry my fiance at the time. And so the whole the whole the whole purpose with the, with the book is to really share my testimony into going into a uh, field that's like for a lot of people very high risk, you know, they only know about the agent side, with, you know, getting the license and you got to just move off that. I was fortunate enough to come in on the op side. So I have salary, but I also have that commission piece. And even then, even with the salary, it was still like, if, like if I, if I don't do calls, like I'm not going to eat type of thing. So um, I pretty much talk, it's, it's really a book about perseverance, you know, go, going for a goal. There hasn't been a huge a goal that I have, I've never worked for harder in my life than to just marry my fiance because at that point it was just like all or nothing for me. So I pretty much share all the successes and failures I have through it. Um, it's definitely a, a so I kind of I forget sometimes it's actually a coat is a COVID book a story as well because it actually happened in this last year. Um, but I decided to do that um, and the bold uh, the bold piece of it uh, it's actually an acronym called uh, Business Objective Life by Design. 
and that uh, and the bold course is a Keller Williams uh, personal, pretty much a personal development course for really anyone in any business that they can get into. Um, and they, they join the course and they learn about how to really scale their business at a high level and all that. Um, and um, yeah, when th that course was a catalyst to everything that I'm doing right now. So, you know, I never thought I would even write a book. I self-published it. So I had, there was a learning curve with that over the last few months. Um, but it was, you know, I'm very happy uh, with, with the result for my first major book. And uh, yeah, just hoping that this could push people to, you know, go after whatever they want in life, regardless of what the circumstances are. Uh, first question is, where can people find your book at? Yeah, so my on my main website, Asher I Car, C A R R. Um, you can go there, but if you can Google it, uh, the main, the big three is Amazon, uh, Target, and Barnes and Noble. But it, it is available globally, like on every country possible. So, um, but yeah, it's out there for a physical copy, and then there's an ebook as well. Awesome. And then, so I want to ask, I'm gonna ask you about a few chapters, but the first one I want to ask about is chapter one, which is the end is where we begin. June 14, 2019, uh, what was, what was going on then? Yeah, that was a day where, um, everything just went, went downhill for me. Um, I was just coming back from break, um, from a, from a workout and, uh, my supervisor at the time, who I barely talked to for some time up until then, just called me down to HR, uh, just told me that they were going to let me go. Um, I don't, I don't know if there was some shifting because the vice president in that, the, in my department, uh, he got like a month before, but yeah, he just still like, hey, look, this um, isn't, yeah, this isn't working. So uh, we got to let you go. I'm like, okay. Um, so initially, it, it was definitely an embarrassing moment um, because the HR, one of the HR ladies, they had to actually go upstairs to my desk so I can clear it and actually make sure I was like not going to act up or whatever, I guess. And then she had to walk me out of the building. I've never had that experience. So it was like very embarrassing. Um, but you know, I, I realized this as my drive back home, um, I was like very happy. Like I was, I felt very liberated because it was, it was that job. Um, I was in tax, uh, my previous position, I was in a tax, um, like pretty much a glorified CPA. I was doing 1099 forms for that company. Okay. At the time. So our, our team really dealt with that, all that. So it was very detail oriented. It really, anyone could do it. And after my first tax season, uh, which I like that February, I just didn't go home, like, at all. Like, all right, I didn't even go to church. I was in the office every single day. I was like, I'm not doing this forever. Like, I can't do this forever. So I kind of saw that as an opportunity to be like, all right, this is my this is my sign from God. Like, my, my time is done here. Now I can go into real estate. I'm a very faith faith man, Christian guy. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I was like, yo, I'm free. Like, it's awesome. But then I realized, crap, I have a fiancé. I have all these bills and stuff. I need to figure something out. Like, um, I don't know what it is, but I, I just didn't, I just thought like that day, you know, June 14th, um, we plan to have a wedding in the Dominican Republic a year after, or like, you know, a year, um, for, for that next year. So I was like, I just thought it was coincidental. I'm like, all right, you know what, there's something here. Um, and I'm just going to go by faith and just go from there. So, um, yeah. And then boom, boom. <laughs> so, all right. The next thing, next chapter I want to ask about is, uh, traveling the journey together. Yeah. Yeah, so that that one part part of the challenge with this book is being as vulnerable as possible and like to be vulnerable, be when to be vulnerable. And I'm I'm very quiet, you know me. I'm very quiet about our private life, um, especially when it comes to my relationship, uh, my for with my uh, significant other. But uh, that chapter just talks about how regardless of what you're doing, whatever your goal is, whatever you're trying to do you're going to have what your sometimes your decisions are going to impact, you know, your loved ones or those very close to you. And yes. that's when I, um, in that chapter, I kind of just off the cuff decided to sign up for a real estate course near, like near my house. And I didn't tell my fiance till like three days later, <laughs> like three days into the course. It was a full yeah. month course, but it took me like a whole week to tell her. And, um, um, like she, she didn't really understand like the other opportunities that come with real estate. She just, she just knew about the, you know, your typical traditional agent, uh, agent thing. Um, but like, that wasn't my thing, like, even though that, that happened to be a bonus for me, but I was, I needed that license so I could have more, provide more value to a team that, uh, really needed more ops help if anything. And so, um, like with me doing lockbox runs now, like that I had to do that today, like having that access as a agent for from an operations perspective, it makes life easier. 
Um, so that was what I was trying to do. But um, yeah, but the whole thing about that is just, you know, make sure you tell your, your significant other everything, like what your goal is, like what are your dreams? And, you know, nine times out of 10, they'll, they'll support you and figure and help you out with how, how, can, how can you get there? And um, yeah, that, that was a big thing for me. No, and that's also a big thing for me too. Um, my fiance and I, uh, we are, we're planners to the T, man. And sometimes we have different ways about how we like to plan, but generally we like to, you know, we do plan our day to day or week to week. Uh, and so she's really big on, I'm, I'm a visionary. So I have, I always have it in my head yep. and, you know, and I do brief her daily on like, Hey, these are the things I'm doing this is what I want to do, but she's like, she likes to see it all out in writing. So like over the last couple of days, I've written out our whole timeline from to not today, but this month, all the way out until next September of, Hey, these are the things that we'll be doing from, let's just say from August to September, these are the things we'll be doing September to December. These are the things we'll be doing uh, because, and it allows us to be able to walk that journey together, right? Always be on the same page. And we are collectively uh, being productive. It's not just one person, you know, accomplishing their goals, both mm-hmm. people accomplishing their goals. And then together we are accomplishing things. Uh, right. And I'm really big on that, especially as a man, you know, you, the man leading the family ensuring mm-hmm. that that plan is set uh, so that y'all can move together, especially once you have kids and then the kids obviously need to have a plan in a direction. Yeah. Or as my father would say, um, my father calls you as a parent, the bow and the kids of the arrow and to shoot them in the right direction. I like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's so nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah, you make a shirt out of it. Yeah, my father, he's really there big on uh, uh, phrases like that. And so uh, I want to talk about uh, your holy clarity. What did you mean by that? I'm really intrigued by that title, that chapter. Yeah, so that one. So this was a little um, toward the end of some or toward the end of the real estate classes. Um, prior to everything happening, that uh, was the hundredth hundredth uh, anniversary of our church organization. Uh, oh, wow. That my uh, that my fiance and I had you know, that she's been a part of for her life, but then obviously I joined in um, a little after we met. Um, yeah, so it was it was just whole like convention going on that week, and um, going into that convention in that position, I didn't have. I was really I think I used up all the money that they gave me when they let go of me to make it to that week, and I decided to do it because you know again my, my faith i believe your faith is a huge aspect to being successful like faith is the foundation to your fortune and uh for me to be able to get to the get to the convention and to just kind of just get, get into uh there's always multiple service but that service in particular is a, a young people service and to kind of just kind of just let everything go to stop just thinking about everything that's going on back home, just kind of just think about the now and know what has God done for me at that point. Um, by, like, at that point in time, um, just having just a sense of gratitude and just being like, you know what, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm here. I have, I have clothes on, like I have a roof over my head and I'm able to do this. I'm able to do that. And like, it's not over because I knew at that point it was only temporary. And for me to really just get through those challenges that would be coming um, like down the road, I just had to be in a state of gratitude and just be like, you know what, this is happening for a reason. There's a purpose behind all this and that I'm, I'm going to get through it. So, um, but yeah, that, that was another vulnerability of mine. I don't really talk about, well, nowadays I, I do talk more about my faith, um, but it was just kind of like, just kind of just being super like physically vulnerable in the moment, like spiritually vulnerable, just, just given, um, just giving glory to God. And everything. So that was something that I felt like I had to share because not a lot of people talk about it. No, yeah, I think because there's a lot of sensitive topics in today's time, right? And so, you know, religion, I think, well, I think religion probably forever be a sensitive topic and depending on who you're talking to. I think that's always going to be something because now you're talking about somebody's beliefs and, you know, you may have people trying to, you know, debunk your belief and it's just like, you know, hey, like, this is what (laughs) I believe in. This is what gets me, you know, up in the morning in my day to day and it works for me. I believe in it. And, you know, hey, leave me alone, I guess. (laughs) But but, um, I think so at the end of the day, whether you're religious or not, you still have some type of belief system. There's something that gets you up in every day. Uh, And so that's for you to determine if it's strong enough uh, to uh, make you want to be successful and stay on the path 
and not get derailed. Well, if you get derailed because of a, a mishap, you don't, uh, you know, you don't go completely off the path. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, man. No, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, it, it definitely. No, in this journey of success, it's not. It's not a straight line. There's always gonna be up. There's, there's gonna be downs. There's gonna be one eighties, and then you got to, you know, do all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, for me, to kind of just go. Just kind of lean back on my faith and just kind of just look at the Bible and you know and just listen to whatever at, the, at that point in time it's just a reinforcement to me it's like you know what this is there this is happening I don't I believe that nothing happens to people it happens for us like nothing happens to us it happens for us and um to again lean back on my faith at that time just be like you know what I'm I'm gonna be okay I'm gonna make this work like faith or but that faith without works is dead type of thing and a lot of people say it but they don't but you could tell like people don't necessarily live it uh, because they're kind of like, yeah, I have faith. And like, I don't, but when it actually comes to it. So like, no, that, that, that's also a thing too. Like, you know, you really want to work. If you really want something, you really work to it, uh, work toward it. And you know, if, if you back it with faith, it would be amazed on what, what you could do and what could happen at the end of the day. Hard work does not go unrewarded. And that's for anybody, even if you're evil, you know, eventually your evil plans will work out because you work yeah. so hard towards it. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm definitely a big believer in that. Um, I know some people, you know, a little bit, a little bit of talking about, you know, faith, people say, uh, you know, be still and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and I think there's a time and place for that, but I definitely think that uh, when it comes to our, our God given talents, um, that's what they were given for us to do to use them. Uh, and so I'm really big on that. Uh, I'm really interested about why, what is chapter 11 about license to be a millionaire? It makes me think of license to license to kill. You know? <laughs> so I, so with that, with you saying that I accomplished my goal uh, with that, but uh, license to be a millionaire is just uh, when I was in a process of actually getting the, getting the license for, for New Jersey. Um, to me, when you have a, a real estate license or just really any license or whatever field you're, you're, you're really into that's a license to give you an opportunity to be a millionaire like like to if you really love it if you really love to do it right um to me getting out real estate license afforded me the opportunity to have the ability to make millions down the road so for me to be able to just get that i'm just like you know what i like this is great like this is literally one tool i need to be one step closer to ultimately what I want to do. And I, and I kind of share what some of those other goals are through, uh, through the vehicle of real estate for me. Uh, but yeah, getting that, just it's just having that mentality. Like it's not just a piece of paper where you could literally buy or sell homes um, like at, a, at a high level. Like it's really a tool for you to get closer to what you truly want down the road. So, yeah. Uh, I have a, so you were Keller Williams? Yes. Okay, so... Did you go through a Keller Williams course to get your real estate license or did you uh, study up and then take the state test? Yeah, no. So I went to just a normal like real estate school um, in, in my local area back in Jersey. Uh, and then uh, after like a full year, like you need, New Jersey is like 65 or 70 some hours of just the school course. And then you have to take uh, a test, uh, like the school test. And then when you pass that, then you're registered to actually take the national test. So if you first time you got to take national uh, and your state specific um, tests at the same time, it's like roughly 100, 114 questions or 120. Um, and then when, when you pass that, then you're good. Like you could send it out to the commission um, as a salesperson, and then you could start you know, doing business. But, um, but yeah, the, I, I was, I was very specific with Keller Williams because I loved what they represented like their values as a company and it matched who I was as a, as a person. So I, sh uh, I was just looking at them solely in my whole like journey in real estate. Awesome. And uh, I'm actually looking at get, trying to get mine as well. The plan is to get it by December. Uh, and so I, I'd usually ask people like, Hey, how'd you get yours? Or, you know, how much did it cost? I try to get mine in California. What has it been seven years now? I tried to get it seven years ago. And, um, I ended up failing it the first time and then I never uh, got back to getting it the second time because my job, my job had changed and it required me to have, you know, more hours. But looking back, I would have still got my license because I would have just did referrals because yeah. 
I could have just did referrals for like one million dollar homes and been okay. Exactly. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing too, and that, and that's another thing of why I named that chapter uh, "License to Be a Millionaire" because there's a lot of agents out there. You know, they'll do they'll do actual production like for some time, then they get promoted within their companies, and then they're not out on the field as much. But then they can still do referrals, and that's like for some odd reason, from what I've learned from connecting with people within my company, is that it's a very untapped like opportunity apparently for the referral business. And on my Facebook, it's I've I've been more intentional with my social media, Facebook in particular. It's all all you see on my feed is just posts for referrals, like from everyone in the company. It's crazy. It's like, hey, I need somebody here in Cancun, or I need somebody here in Fort Myers, or Texas, or whatever. And it's actually in and even then, uh, this is an untapped like market for for a business. So what I ended up doing, um, since I have my license in New Jersey and referral status. Now, um, I actually do have a, like a side hustle, like referral business for, you know, those within my family. So if someone back in Jersey is looking to move to, you know, California, I have contacts out there where I can connect them and all, and they'll pay me a 25 to 30% like referral fee after the deal closes. So and you could do a few of those. Real quick. So you, you say you, you give referrals to people out of your state? Yeah. When you're, yeah. When you're a referral, um, you could literally, you could do it whenever, wherever. And then, like, because the license is placed back in, in my hometown, um, like it's just housed there. But you could do referrals from literally anywhere, um, with with a referral license. So, so if I say, hey, if I know somebody that's traveling to California, and I know a real estate agent over there, I can refer them over there and get get a referral. Yeah, you get a referral fee. Yeah, and then obviously there's like a paperwork piece to it, um, to make sure that's like solidified and tracked. Yeah, um, you send that to their to the that agent's brokerage. Um, but yeah, like once the deal closes, you'll be on the DA or disbursement, um, uh, disbursement or, or authorization where it tracks where the funds are going to go and your name will be on it and you'll get your fee on there. So, um, that happens. I feel my agents, they, they, one, one of our part-time agents, she just, um, did a referral recently on a listing and she just got paid on that. Um, like she literally didn't have to do anything. She's like, Hey, my friend's looking, to looking to sell this home. Can you do it? Cause I'm not licensed in the state. And her part, her referral partner got it done, and she got paid. Um, now you can do it again. So yeah, the yeah, referral, referral, the referral business is very lucrative. How much of a percentage do they get, or is it like a flat rate? What do you mean for uh, the the referral commission? Uh, how how much? Yeah, so so it's really the agent who ends up doing the business. They'll get like within our business, at least like the standard is twenty five percent to the person who actually did the referral. So they'll get the, you know, the 70 or whatever that math is. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that math is. So to 70, 80% of, of whatever closes, uh, commission closes. So they'll get, they'll get most of it, but to get 25, 30% of like a million dollar listing or a buyer within a high, high luxury level, you know, that's like thousands of dollars back into your pocket for just saying. So, hey. so, so they would get a uh, 25% of the 6% commission is what you're saying? Yes, typically, yeah. There you go. Okay, yeah. okay. I'm gonna make sure I was I was clear and make sure I'm yeah. like, oh, 25 of a million dollars. Whoa. <laughs> you know? No, is that yeah? It's that GCI <laughs> that comes out of that you know that six percent. Um, gotcha. So yeah, whatever that split is um, toward the end, that that'll be that. I've noticed a few real estate agents. Um, they are they have during COVID because you know I don't know how the market is in your area, but people have been asking for 15, 10 to fifteen even $20,000 offer at over asking price. And yeah. so obviously that increases the closing costs. And so what I've noticed some real estate agents, they, they will do a discount instead of taking their, you know, their 4%, they'll, they'll say, Hey, I'll take 3%, you know, uh, have y'all done that the same up there? So I work very closely with our listing specialists. I um, mean, he's literally the only, unless the other full-time agents. So we have full-time and part-time part-time just does buyers, um, full-time they do buyers and sellers. Um, but the, our, my team leader, um, he does many listings. I haven't seen him do anything like that at all in this market. Um, one listing I brought in in Virginia, um, was lady, I was actually talked to her today. She's really awesome. Um, she like updated this townhouse and everything. Um, and you know, we, we did our thing, we did our marketing plan and, and like three days she got an offer of 30,000 over, um, over asking. And it was a, the, on the buyer side, it was 1031. It was going to be a 1031 exchange for them. So like it was straight cool. up just 
cash um, and you know, quick closing literally a month, uh, within a month, um, but like no type of closing help. Like, you know, you really have to, to really be successful as a buyer in this market from what I'm seeing, what our agents are saying, you really need to be shopping a little below what you what you, what you want and then be prepared to just start going all out. And so if you get, if you're pre-approved for 500,000, you should be looking at like 450 and like starting at 450. And then you really like something that you want, then you can start being like, yeah, I'm going to go in all 500,000. I'm going to go 50,000 over just so I can get this bid. And then it's also, that makes not, sense. yeah. And it's also like not necessarily the price either. Um, in this market is is the is really the terms of how is, is what's winning a lot of these deals. Like yeah, you're you're going to see those hundred thousand dollars. Like we've had a few hundred thousand over asking um, this last few months, which is really wow. insane. Uh, it, it's it's crazy. Um, but you know the the terms. No one's doing. They're, they're waiving inspections. They're waiving appraisals. Um, they're just, you know, they're, they're making sure that they could close like within a month. Like it's, it's really the, the terms is what's making these deals and, and resulting in these crazy prices that everyone's seeing right now. Over a hundred grand asking price, but then I'm going to waive inspection. No way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No way. Yeah. So but what they've all, what we're also learning is that, you know, relationships has always been like an obvious thing, but relationships are it's key. In, in this market, if you happen to know the buyer agent or, or listing agent on the other side and you have some sort of an existing relationship or you've been like over communicative, making sure like, you know, that they actually hear you and like, you know, that you're actually very interested in making a deal happen, um, you know, though you're nine times out of 10, you're going to make something happen for your client. And I know by, with the buyer side, it's definitely uh, more of a challenge uh, in this market, but, you know, a lot my, my other team leader she's mainly a buyer specialist she ratified six like two weeks ago um for that will be closing in well it was like end of june but like um she has like six buyer deals that's going to be closing in the next few weeks which is like at the time is unheard of because bu again buyers are very this is a very tough market for them but like if uh, part of her success there is that she has these relationships she's built that relationship with the other side and you know they actually like to actually do a deal. So, um, you know, wherever investing or retail, the relationships are very key to uh, really having successful deals. Earlier, you talked about 1031 exchange with these rental properties. Now it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't a rental property for the, uh, for our seller uh, client. Uh, Cause she actually lived there and then she just you know, happened to she, like, she worked in the government and stuff like that. And she did these updates cause she wanted to get rid of it. Um, but yeah, now it now it's a rental property. Now we, we found out today that there was <laughs> yeah. So 1031 exchange for uh, those that don't know is when you're able to uh, not have to pay capital gains tax on when you sell a house. So if I sell a home and I have you know my my net profit at the closing cost and everything like that is a hundred thousand dollars, then I could take that hundred thousand dollars and I have uh, I think it's about sixty days. Mm -hmm. I think it's about six, 60 days about, to yeah. to find another property um, and use it as a down payment or I could pay it in cash. Well, it has to be something equal to or, or yeah, above what similar. you already had. Mm -hmm. Very similar. So usually people, that's how people scale. That's how people usually scale up to the next thing. Uh, and so the, the funny thing is, is that I've even had a couple of people that I've interviewed where they're like, hey, you got any deals? Or like after we get off the air, hey, you got any you know, anybody that needs a, a property at uh, this type of, you know, sixplex, uh, because I'm doing a 1031 exchange, I really need another spot, yeah. to, you know, to buy uh, <laughs> before I had to pay, you know, $30,000 of taxes on this. And so right. I, and I, and I totally agree, man. Like, uh, I've definitely had to make several calls, like, just to make sure I'm good before I do my 1031. Uh, and then this guy's, especially now it's hard to find a deal. Uh, you know, I usually go in asking for, you know, 20% discount. Yeah, I can't even, you know, I can't get that now. Yeah. Uh, I got to go in there with over asking price plus knowing I got to do repairs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely hard. Like I, I have been out of the loop on the investment side, uh, at least for the last year. Um, but I know like with, when you connect resources, like bigger pockets, now obviously anyone who's in a bad, real estate investor, you have to come across bigger pockets. It took me three months to actually end up finding them, but there's so much rich information there that you could literally just learn in a night and then start implementing right away. Um, 
if you just to really just be successful, you just need to know as much as possible, and just be, j just be very like genuine in, in those and in, in these deals. Like, it's, it's one thing about finding deals; is a whole other thing about making deals. And that's why I said earlier, like I'll, with a lot of these properties selling for over asking, a lot of these deals are getting done because of of the of the relationships there and because of the terms as being met like look if you can meet these uh this buyer seller's terms you can you can make it happen and and you know it's that's really that's again that's what's really winning this market i believe so on the investor side too if you have really solid terms that's going to make sense for both parties or all parties involved like you can really still make things happen in this kind of market so i want to talk about um chapter 18 it says the hot seat what was that it sounds Ooh. spicy man hot seat yeah that was one of my uh i was originally in the, in the manuscript it was like the worst interview ever or something like that and um, <laughs> that, so this i was um i was interviewing in my current brokerage uh for multiple positions and this was uh, at one of their main offices this guy uh that i interviewed with mr green uh in the book um really awesome guy he has an outstanding portfolio and he was very intimidating from how i read his like you know how he built scaled up his business I knew it was going to be like a intimidating interview. So um, now I got in there all confident. I'm like, hey, I, I read up on him. I had these questions and everything for at, when I get to that point in the interview. And you know, we started talking and like it, it was just a bust. Like it was very clear that the position, it was like some manager, operations manager position he was hiring. Um, I wasn't, I, I wasn't qualified because at that time I had done that one deal in the Poconos. Um, I had just done a lot of cold calls for like the real estate investing side. And he was like for someone like hit the, hit the ground running because um, he had a development arm too. So I had like no like knowledge of that. But um, I was like telling him, hey, look, I don't have all that stuff, but I have that energy, that desire to really just learn and just come in here and, you know, make sure you get what you want. Uh, I never got a call back, by the way. But it was just like, it, it was just one of those things in, in an interview when you're looking to hire, um, like I understood from a like manager standpoint, or you know, if you're looking to just scale your business and bring other people in, you're not just hiring somebody. You're, you're making an investment into somebody, right? And my resume, if you actually look at my resume, my my time in finance to go into these interviews, saying like knowing that, look, I, I know it doesn't look pretty on paper, but like I am actually very loyal and I can actually you know get the work done and. You know, make sure that you get the best return on your investment and, you know, hiring leverage, essentially. So, um, yeah, in that case, that chapter didn't really work out for me. So it's okay, though. <laughs> no, no, it's it's, uh, it's trials and tribulations. And it seems like you, uh, you're you a very humble individual. Like, you've, you've taken your uh, experiences, whether a grain of salt or to heart, and then you, you, um, you know, you make sure you grew from them. And it's not look, you're not looking at it from the aspect of like, you know, the world is against me, you know, woe is me. You're looking at, hey, man, stuff happens. And then um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I rebound from it and be better from it. Yep, absolutely. What's your, uh, what did you mean? So I'm switching over to like the bold side and the commission side of it, sure. of your book. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what do you mean by pivot or panic? Pivot or panic. So this was a little after. Um, after the pandemic had you know, settled in for everyone. And again, it, it was really a mindset thing. Like when, when things happen, we all have the same thing. To some degree, same thing happened to us all, right? Like if you, you know, Jim Rohn, one of my favorite business philosophers I uh, grew up listening to, um, he, we were to set the sail. Life was like a sail. We're all on, on the sea and we have all boats and your life was a boat. The same wind is going to hit us all to some degree, it's gonna affect us all. It's really how you set the sale that is going to make an impact to your final destination. So in regards to the pivot or panic uh, line, is either you make a pivot in your life or in your business so you can actually continue to scale and continue to grow and to continue to hit your goals or such, or you just panic and just stay still and just not do anything about it. Because a lot of people, a lot of businesses, as we know, they didn't survive and, and it may not, and may, maybe they did do they, they do their best to try to survive. Um, but there's definitely some businesses out there, at least in real estate, that I know of that people just straight up just gave up. Like they didn't know what to do. Like they didn't have the mentality of like, oh my gosh, like I was like, all right, look, 
if I could do it like this, if I pivot like this, then you know, I'll be able to make it. They just like, they just kind of took everything at face value and just, just gave in. Right. So when it comes to just life in general, you know, are you going, when you, when something just happens and shifts, are you going to shift with it and make some greatness out of it? Or are you just going to just stand still and just kind of just give in and just you know, give up? Because I, I know that everyone listening on this call, you have that high level of potential to be phenomenal, to be great, to be outstanding. And it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. Like there's a reason for it. And you have to find a way to leverage that to be able to get to that next level. I think uh, I think COVID showed everybody what what they were really made of as far as when it comes to business. Uh, obviously, there was a bunch of other ways that people were challenged, but in regards to the entrepreneurs out there, the ones trying to start a business, maintain, or, or they're just the you know your independent independent workers like real estate agents, right? I think it really showed you like, all right, am I am I the real deal, or do I need to kind of reassess? And it made people also get very creative. And so my kudos is to any real, uh, other landlords out there, in particular real estate agents, any other private contractors that was able to assess the situation. Okay, COVID happened. People are not touching each other anymore. They're not even physically around each other anymore. Lumber went up. Houses went up weird, but nobody's paying rent. Uh, everybody's you know losing their job or whatever. Uh, okay, how can I still be successful? And uh, I think I think a lot of us are better from it. And I think uh, a lot of us that did pivot the right in the right direction will be better off. So like I look at like me as a landlord, man, I look at this next fall. So I don't like fall. I like April through September as a landlord, because that's when mostly mostly people move. Right. That's when most people get income tax, too. So, you know, so they can have their security deposit plus first month's rent. Right. I don't like the fall because that's a it's like no go fall and winter is like no go zone for people to move in right it gets cold maybe depending on your piping maybe the the pipes freeze stuff can happen right right and so but i'm not as worried about it this year as i was last year because i'm not it's not covid it's like it's a piece of cake if i could get through covid during the winter and fall then i can get through uh you know non-covid winter and fall so i'm i'm definitely down uh not like I said, not looking forward to it, but I'm at the same time. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm ready for it. Absolutely. And so um, I want to talk about the final thing. I want to talk about your book, man, living the dream and beyond the dream. What What is that? Living the dream and beyond it. What, what part of the book is I, I've seen this book so many times and then like, I forget. Um, Chapter 50, 55 and 56. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, So it's, it's, it's been a crazy, like, tour here um living the dream beyond the dream so that is that's just i'll I'll say the end living the dream my dream at at the time my my like version of success at the time is to you know marry my wife or my fiance now wife so spoiler alert this is why this (laughs) um but you know that that, i I pretty much talk about that day and then no beyond the dream is pretty much you know what's next um you know if like being able to uh, being able to just make that happen. And at one point I literally had nearly nothing in the bank between my, between my checking account and my wallet. I literally had no type of money. Um, and then being able to, even though it was a smaller scale wedding uh, because of COVID, it was still thousands of dollars that I, I didn't have before. And so I feel like with throughout this whole journey with uh, for me, if I was able to make that happen, what else can I do? Like, what, like, what else can, what, what other big goal can I have? Can I look into in my like little gratitude book or whatever? And be like, you know what, I'm going to go after this this year. You know, I'm going to make this happen. You know, I, I didn't realize how much like drive and, and just energy I had to make this thing happen. And with the other chapters, if you pick up the book, you'll see what I had to do to make this, to make this wedding happen. And like, in some ways, very unhealthy and in some ways just very, just crazy. But it's just like, you know, what, what can I do? So again, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a message to everyone. Like if you really have that drive to accomplish something, um, to, you know, start your own business or to, you know, marry your fiance or, you know, whatever the case is, like really push yourself, get comfortable getting uncomfortable within reason and just, just start planning out like, what is, what, what do I have to do today to get to my portion tomorrow? And, um, 
yeah, man, I'm always trying to just push myself, push myself every day to just live a life, live a life by design, just make things happen. Like now my priority, like she's literally my wife, like people can push you. I can say whatever words in right now to help push you to get started, but your yeah. why is, is, is what's going to pull you to get to the end goal of whatever success is for you. So, um, but yeah, that's where, uh, that's where that stands. And would you consider that, that? So that was your rich state of mind. Your yeah, that was my rich state of mind. <laughs> nah, thank, thanks, thanks for. Uh, I, so first of all, man, I appreciate your transparency because, uh, like you said, that you know you you know you naturally you're private. Um, I think as we've been as I've been doing this podcast for the last year, I've been more open about my uh, beliefs and things that I do, so I I can relate um, because generally a lot of people don't. You know, over the last few, it's been about four years now. Over the last four years, I was going through a divorce and, uh, you know, custody battle and stuff like that. So I naturally, I've been private with a lot of stuff going on in my life. But, you know, fleshing things out and being able to talk to, you know, all my guests, man, uh, has been pretty good. It's been, a, it's, it's, it's a good process. I think we, as we all talk to each other, we kind of like flesh ideas and trials and tribulations out. And we're, and we're like, oh, man, you know what? I'm better from it. It was, it was a good, it was, a, it was a, either a good experience or maybe a bad one, but I was able to grow from it. And, you know, looking, looking back, I, I, you know, glad I went through it. Wouldn't go through it again if I didn't have, you know, but <laughs> yeah. uh, one, one time's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One time is enough. And I learned my lesson. Yeah. So I appreciate you, Asher, man. I know um, we were supposed to link up about two weeks ago, but yeah. I ended up having my, my crazy accident and my car caught on fire. Anybody that didn't know car exploded wow. on the freeway so try to i try to run until uh i thought i had another good six years out of that car but <laughs> come to find out it was there was a recall on it man the fuel so uh wow see if dodge can give me a rebate yeah uh, but yeah so I'm, I'm blessed that i was um i'm still alive and able to uh talk to you two weeks later uh Absolutely. on this yeah, podcast man. man yeah man and, and thanks, and thanks for asking too yeah absolutely because i, I i've not not a car fire piece, but I've definitely been in a position before where you're on the road and cars not working. Like I've I've lost flat tires just out of nowhere. So <laughs> I get that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing before we get off. Uh, one thing, if anything, um, I would like to share. I guess my second part for Rich Mind. Uh, be careful the person you become and the pursuit of what you want. Um, and that's pretty much like the whole really the full message of the book. Um, that's something okay. my wealthy dad, uh, my wealthy dad, my stepdad, I call him my wealthy dad because I explain it in the book, but my wealthy dad, because he taught me a lot of things about wealth. And then I have my, my biological dad, uh, I call him healthy dad. Cause he's huge on health. Um, like, you know, big positive thing in my life. Um, but yeah, but you know, be careful the person uh, that you become in the pursuit of what you want. You're not going to be the same person you're, you're, you are today when you hit the million dollar trash or when you, you know, close X amount of transactions or whatever like it takes a certain mindset it takes a certain like transformation in your life in every aspect of your life to get to that that pinnacle uh you know so um definitely just be aware of what happens when you hit certain levels uh hit certain checkpoints in your journey to whatever success means to you and you know just really appreciate that journey really have fun with that journey and whoever you're doing it with and you know at the end of the day you could freaking do it so yeah, so I'm done. I like the fact that you, uh, you I like your rich dad, poor dad uh, reference. Yep, that's exactly where it came from, man. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm picking. On, I'm picking on what you're putting down, man. License to to be a millionaire, license to kill, and then rich dad, poor dad reference, man. So yeah, great minds think alike, bro. It's been it's been a pleasure, Asher. Uh, thank you, man, and uh, definitely want to uh, I want to keep in touch because I'm very interested about uh, to learn more about um, the real estate operation side behind the scenes. I like sure. I like to be able to I don't expect to be a master in everything, but I do like to have an understanding about what everybody's roles are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Leverage. Leverage is key. Um, and we could probably have a whole other episode about it. But, you know, three things in, in real estate that they teach us, you know, leads, listings and leverage. And uh, when you get to the point of your business where you just need more people to make things run, um, leverage is key. And I could definitely talk, talk about that as well because I, I live it. And um, it's a huge impact when done right. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, you have a good night, bro. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Thank you.
Thank you for sticking with us from the start of the episode. Please share our show with friends and family, visit our YouTube channel, and view more of our content on richstateofmind.com. See you next week on the Rich State of Mind Show.